0: Welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we look at movies we love. Break them apart! To find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always uh, by my European hiking friend and slowly rotting corpse.
1: I don't know if he was European, but I'm Alex Dandino. Well, they were hiking through Europe. Yes, they were.
0: Because Americans, we don't hike unless we're in a foreign country. That's what I've (laughs) learned. All right, guys, as always, um, if you like this show, which we really hope you do if you're here with us today, uh, please find a way to subscribe. We're on iTunes, Spotify, all the big podcast directories. If you like the show and find us on a podcast directory where you can leave a rating and review, please take a moment and do that for us. It helps us out an enormous amount. In the, uh, the ability to find out more alchemists to bring into the fold, guys. Be That's cool. what we're trying to do here. Yeah, man. Be cool. Be cool. Uh, Give us a shout. Also, if you like our movie talks, uh, a lot of the big summer comic book movies and this and that are beginning to hit. So you can find us on our other show. We do a comic book show uh, called The Long Box Sessions. You can also find us on any podcast app. Uh, we're out there everywhere. And also rate and review that if you can. Um And another thing, just we're on all the socials for Film Alchemist and Longbox Sessions. Uh, Follow us and join in the fun, guys. The more we have these uh, conversations, the better the show can be for you.
1: Is there anyone out there who came across Film Alchemist first before they got to Longbox Sessions? I would like to know.
0: Yes, there are, actually. I've heard from some of them. That is
1: fucking fantastic news. God, that makes me happy. It is.
0: It is indeed. I'm very happy with that. That is delightful. all right, that's enough yeah. of our business type. What are we, stuffy ass business types? I'll tell you what More I'm like not. The Monty I'm not some Python fucking
1: corporate raiders. I'm not some fucking busybody doctor who goes out into the middle of fucking the moors, <laughs> I'll tell you that much.
0: Yeah, what the fuck was up with that doctor, man? <laughs> As if I don't feel bad enough sitting in my fu- smallest shittiest town ever in my small shitty bar and then some highfalutin doctor's got to come in and start waving his dick around? Yeah. I'd no fi- way.
1: Highfalutin with his very fancy drink order at the bar. Clearly, they're not going to have that fucking. I can't remember what it was. But I'm like, why are you ordering that here?
0: Of all the Here's places, the funny sir. thing. The doctor knew they wouldn't have that. That was a fucking power. move.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was a big dick move. That's what it was. That
0: was the that was his version of uh, an in the wild uh, latex glove snap just to <laughs> let him know who's boss. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. <laughs> The pod this month, uh, sorry, I think we skipped this part. You guys probably already know what we're talking about. This month's theme, the pod unleashes its inner beast. Uh, so these are werewolf movies. <clears throat> so we come to the fourth and probably the the most beloved and critically renowned of all werewolf movies, uh, short of maybe the universal The Wolfman. Right. Um, 1981's American Werewolf in London.
1: I also think it might be a movie that has informed roughly the last three decades of horror films. I'll get to that. But. I feel like
0: the, the lasting impact of American Werewolf was this infiltration of comedy. Yes. Because obviously this had happened a lot before. Because like when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. Right, Yeah. Like just obs- I, I had a weird thing as a kid because I spent a lot of time in my grandparents being unsupervised by my negligent father, <laughs> and uh, the tapes they had were Abbott and Costello. So I had like a really weird obsession with Abbott and Costello at a very young age. Right. But movies like that and things like Scooby Doo and some of these other things that, as a kid, I was like, they crossed over from just horror to comedy. Sure. It it always felt like it was comedy just with that horror setting, right? American right. Werewolf is one of the first. Movies I remember as a young man where they really started blending that very well. Yeah. Because even the latter, uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets, it was such a, it was kind of a brutal killing. And then a, you know, welcome to your big break on TV,
1: bitch. Yeah.
0: And you're like, ha that's funny because he murdered her as a TV. Right. But it wasn't, it wasn't like a fully seamlessly integrated yeah. uh, part of the film. Like, I feel like the comedy in American Werewolf is.
1: Yeah, American Werewolf is sort of this – it's a very deceptive movie, I think, because it starts in this very – it's very slow at the top. Like, you really have to know – in my opinion, when <laughs> the first time you watch this movie, you really have to kind of know what you're getting yourself into because the title comes up, American Werewolf in London. And, you know, if you've never seen the movie before, you've heard the stories, you understand the, like, backstory and the um, impact it's had on the last, like, 30 years of – not just filmmaking in general, but particularly the horror genre. And I think when it starts, you don't realize you're watching that movie because I mean, I'll be honest. Like I remember when I watched it when I was a kid, and I was like, "Sweet American Werewolf in London." I love werewolves, and I was watching. And I'm like, what "The fuck is this?" Like these guys are just talking about like things I talk about with my friends. And I think that's like the really awesomely deceptive disarmament that this movie does at the very beginning is it relates you to these guys. And then as the movie progresses, it still remains completely relatable. Like everything that's happening as weird and macabre as it gets still remains relatable. It's bizarre, but that's like the lasting impact this movie has is it brings something that should not be relatable in the slightest, uh, to a very relatable place.
0: Yeah. The thing I noticed about it on this time around i've seen this movie a lot yeah um besides my brother sitting there watching me this movie fucking sucks nothing happened that's all my brother kept saying i was like excellent excellent criticisms thank you Uh, (laughs) but um yeah i what i noticed is how much this movie reminds me of kind of the modern indie horror scene oh yeah hardcore because it is again it's a lot of this hiding betwixt genres uh a lot of Character development, walk and talks. Um, even the using of the friend, David, David is the corpse, right? The slowly devolving corpse.
1: I don't think, I think David felt like, I think David's the friend.
0: David's the, David is the werewolf or is he the zombie? I
1: believe David's the werewolf. I believe the zombie who's played by Griffin Dunn is Jack.
0: Jack. Okay. Yes. So, but even that, right. That feels like a, we don't have a ton of money. So let's go out and do one really good zombie setup, right? Yeah. And we'll work on this for like a day, right? And then uh, even the way they the werewolf is very Jaws Shark in the way it's played. Um, honestly, I think the only good shot of the werewolf in the entire movie is that very long shot down the escalators. Where you essentially see from the hips up, right, of him slowly creeping into that big open space to eat the uh, the very stuffy British umbrella man. Right, right. But I was like, that honestly might be the best shot we see of the werewolf because I think almost everything else is
1: everything else is very quick cuts,
0: very quick up close shaky attack cam shot.
1: You get some good stuff in the alley at the end of the movie, but it's very like. But again, it's it's, it's a very, very
0: head on. You don't see the rear of it. Um, yeah, I mean, the werewolf honestly is not great in this movie. The transformation. Is phenomenal, probably the greatest of all time. The wolf itself, not so great.
1: <laughs> no, the wolf itself is is interesting because this is the thing about the movie that's so fascinating is the wolf is sort of like um uh, like a, a a a state fair prize. Like if you were at the state <laughs> fair and you and like you won like the uh you know the kind the you know you throw like a milk you know, baseball at some milk bottles and like great job <laughs> you win and they hand you this like overstuffed, like hi, like just hyper ridiculous uh thing and like yes. you can barely hold it that's that's see what, I the I like thing.
0: your analogy because everyone has gotten the uh carnival or fair teddy bear
1: yeah exactly
0: looks like it's led as haggard and hard of a life as the actual (laughs) carnival folk that are getting it to you
1: yeah and it's It's like like, what are you guys doing in these goddamn teddy it's definitely not like it's the kind of thing that's not stuffed with this is always the thing i've noted because the face (laughs) of the werewolf like that that uh shot in the tube is so specific because like the face of the werewolf is buried in like the burliness of the body and Every time you know I what? see it, it looks like
0: a bear. That's what I thought. Yeah, it I'm looks a D like and guy, so I'm like, it looks like a werebear. bear.
1: It looks like a bear that's been filled with not uh like fluffy stuff, but like the styrofoam peanuts they put inside <laughs> stuff. Um, like yes. when like when you ex- like like when you get something out of the crane machine, it's clearly not filled with like uh, fluff. It's filled with like styrofoam, and you're like, oh, okay, great. I guess like I-, I have like one handing of this off to a child, and then it's getting it thrown out for sure. But that's <laughs> how it looks. But the transformation in getting there, and I think that's like the really amazing trick of the movie, is that the transformation is the star of the show. It's not the wolf itself. It's everything surrounding the wolfness that occurs. That's the thing that makes this movie so fascinating. Is The werewolf stuff is almost incidental. It's his yeah. reaction to being a werewolf and everyone else's reaction around him and the general world he's living in as that transpires. It's pretty fascinating.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's not a hard experiment to imagine this movie if you never saw the wolf. Yeah. You could see the leftover dead bodies and know that he killed six people in one night and right. obviously they get attacked at the start. And then yeah, some perverts get eaten in a porno theater, no big loss. Yeah.
1: Whatever, it's fine. But you
0: don't you don't have to see a wolf no. for any parts of this movie to be better, right? Like I I agree with you. The transformation is one of those all-time horror movie scenes every generation of horror fans right i was brought in this way we all are right you meet the older horror guys and they'll always be like oh you've never seen this like you gotta see this one right yeah and this is just always one of those first you know like maybe top 10 most talked about horror movie scenes like oh dude you gotta see the transformation in american werewolf so yeah i mean other than that i feel like you don't ever need to see a wolf for this movie to work exactly as well
1: no and i think that's the important part of it though is like not seeing the wolf as the whole bit. Like, you should only be focused on David. Like, David's the character that we care about. Like, we, uh, watching him turn into a wolf is awesome. Like, that's the coolest yes. thing ever. But it also is cool because within the context of when it happens, that's like the really fascinating point. Like, this movie does such a good job. And the thing that I, and every time I watch it, I get more and more amazed by it is this movie does such a good job of like reconnecting you with the world they're in and realizing that like anyone could be a fucking werewolf. It doesn't matter what it is. That kind of shit happens all like they make it seem like that kind of shit happens all the time. Like, I don't know what to tell you, like whatever. But then making it so like the, the way that the transformation starts is like my all time favorite bit. Like in a lot of movies, they have werewolf transformations seem either like very painful like, for instance, um, that uh, – what was, it? What was the, the the Netflix show that Eli Roth did with werewolves where they're like gypsies in the woods? That was like the grossest one I've ever seen where basically –
0: Hemlock Grove.
1: Thank you. Hemlock Grove had a really gnarly transformation where basically they like – the wolf like explodes out of the person. And then it eats up the like leftover part of the body, which is just yeah. absurd and gross. Yeah, I like that. No, it I was like coo- that. No, no, it was cool. But it's like it's not – But it also is, like, super painful, and they're dealing with it. Like, another great one is, like, Van Helsing, which is a bad example. But Van Helsing was... Oh, wow. Van Helsing was one, though, Wait, hold
0: on. I got to call... I got to call the the movie records people. I'd be like... (laughs) Is this the first positive buzz, buzz that Van Helsing's ever gotten?
1: Van Helsing had this one where basically. you think that someone
0: wants to get in a time machine and put that <laughs> quote on the Van Helsing poster?
1: Well, yeah, they already did. I don't know. Yeah, we'll go back. We'll go back to 2003 <laughs> and it, when Hugh Jackman was, you know. They're like, we had the rope super swinging.
0: Famous. Every single character swung on a rope. We just needed that Dandino <laughs> seal of approval.
1: It's that thing where they're like tearing their flesh off and the wolf is like exploding out. Like that's another yeah. great bit. This one is a guy sitting, reading, trying to take his mind off of the fact that like people keep telling him he's going to turn into a werewolf, and then out of fucking nowhere screams Jesus Christ and stands up and he's just sweating. Like it's insane. And that's that's what we get though. Like that's the that's the bit. <laughs> that's an amazing I, thing to pull out.
0: Yes, I like the uh the kind of courtesy of the werewolf curse in this movie. Yeah. That first your body makes you so hot that you remove your clothes, so you're not constantly having to go buy new clothes right. like Bruce Banner. Exactly.
1: It's not a Hulk situation. It's very nice.
0: <laughs> no. Um, the transformation is just fucking beautiful. There's no technical merits or anything I can add to it. I'm sure the eight million times this has been covered up. Right. You know, and again, we kind of talked about it in the Howling. it's very similar, right? The the growing face is staggering. I love the yellow eyes exploding open. Yeah. The fingers and fingernails, the the feet are the one.
1: Oh, the but feet the, are. This
0: one has something that I like that the Howling did it is when he rolls on his back,
1: the torso. And his
0: fucking torso oh, is extended. Oh
1: yes, oh my god. Like, oh. that's like it's, the thing. It's beautiful. Yeah, like when you watch, because it's interesting because the Howling Rick Baker was doing the Howling and then left to do this movie because they were released in the same year. But right, Rick Baker left to do American Wolf in London, and you can kind of see like, oh man, Rick Baker did that like face thing, which is really cool but then Rick Baker did the torso. Like that's the thing that I think is the most different about the whole thing is you have to like watch. And again, like you're right, we don't need to hash over the technical merits, but like the visuals of actually watching someone go through this, like the yeah. brutal like horrifying thing which is just a guy literally literally changing species is a fascinating thing. It's not this supernatural yeah. bit. They make it very much so that it's like it's just an anatomical shock to the system. It's fascinating.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you watch this back-to-back with the Howling, it just feels very much like Master and Assistant.
1: Yeah, right? That's it's exactly just, it's what it is. shot
0: a little better in American Werewolf. They don't hang as long on things that aren't amazing.
1: Right. The Howling
0: has that where they, they hang really long on, like, bubbling face skin, and you're like, yeah. it's cool. It's really cool, but, like, maybe don't sit and hang so much on right. each single mo- like. The American Werewolf one just feels more vibrant. Yeah, it has a couple better moments. That's what I mean. It's just like a a slight better. I mean, you know, version of that one. I mean,
1: what it is to me is like it's watching, it's watching a horror movie from a studio. Like, not to say that this is a particularly bad movie because it's brought us a lot of joy, but like, um, the uh, the what's this? Uh, the what's the series? You, the Insidious series. Like when we go see the Insidious uh, yes. movies in the theaters, like. Look, I likely want I like forgot,
0: yeah, that's like a ritual with us, yeah,
1: like when those insidious <laughs> movies come out, we go see them in the theater and they're they're bad, and i'm I'm not a huge fan of them, they're not like I mean, they're bad for me, like I don't think they're very good, but we watch them, and the studio puts them together, and you can see it like there's a pedigree, and like obviously the actors and everyone who's in there is like they they're doing their best and everything, so you see something like that, and then you go watch something like get out or Hereditary, and these are movies that are really trying to like raise like Like raise the art form a little bit more. Yeah, like they're not diving so deep into horror that it's basically like, all right, every two pages we got to have a splash, we got to have a kill, we got to have a scare, something like that. Right. This movie is the blueprint for any great horror film that like everyone can watch. I would say, like my wife is terrified, but she my my wife's terrified of how horror movies, but she desperately wants to see us. Like that's a, that's a huge I think that's like that's what we're dealing with here is like American Werewolf in London's the blueprint for the horror film for everyone and people who like would thumb their nose at horror movies, which is ridiculous. But
0: that's a bit that's a really long way you went to use that as an analogy to us. That's very interesting. But it does kind of have that, right? Yeah. Cause I'm like, us looks fucking terrifying. Like, I can't believe like the average scrubs are gonna show up for that one. But there is something about Jordan peele Yes. And I don't know if it's just that he started as like this kind of lovable comedy nerd that now everyone's like, oh, it's okay if he scares the shit out of <laughs> That's
1: interesting. It's like, it's, I never and thought that's about like that. what John
0: Landis had too, right? It's like, yes. oh, it's the Animal House guy. Like they're right, just doing exactly. funny bro stuff. Oh my God, he's eating everyone.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, like There, at that there point- are
0: actually uh there are two really big quandaries that I stumbled across uh upon for this viewing. When we uh We decided to do this, right? We take notes and all this. We try to break it down. uh, Make it interesting for you guys. Uh, The entire opening in the bar and the ethics of what happens in that town was baffling to me. Like I actually was almost (laughs) to the point of putting red string on my cork board because I cannot quite suss out what the fuck is happening in that town in this opening. Here's... First off, I'm sure they do not get much foot traffic. So what those two are doing out there in the first place, it's kind of a a hard sell, right? Like they just want to go walk from like the worst part of this country to the parts they actually want to visit and then to Rome, whatever. Right. All right. I'll give you that one. That's fine. People backpack. Americans are weird. We like to go trot upon, you know, small little towns to make it feel like we they're there for our amusement. Like that's why everyone hates us. Fine. I get that. So they get to this little town, right? When the only thing they're told constantly is, don't go on the moors, stay on the road. And it's like, well, they're Americans. They don't know what the fuck moors are. You know what I mean? like I I still don't know what the fucking moors are. I thought that would be like swampland and it looked like just a backyard. But anyways, they go to this town and they walk into this bar called the Slaughtered Lamb with a fucking severed werewolf head, right? Right. You walk inside... Everyone does, like, a needle skip and stares at you like you have the plague. The servers are really rude to you and won't give you anything. Right. And then there's a pentagram and, like, fucking goth wax candles on the wall. (laughs) Right. So immediately they set us up as these people that are very protective of their werewolf secret, right? I think he even says, like, what are we to do? Let the Americans know of our our werewolf problem. But it's like. (laughs) All you're doing is blatantly advertising that you have a huge problem to hide, and it's probably a werewolf. <laughs> so they're really bad at conspiring to right. hide the werewolf problem. right? And second... I, okay, so actually, it's like many things, right? So one, that they want to hide it, but then they do everything they can to advertise that they're the werewolf town, right? right it would be right. like if you went to Loch Ness, and all of a sudden, their gift shops weren't full of Nessie shit. Right. It's ridiculous. Right, right. Secondly... How many werewolves do they have in this town? Is it just one? Do they know who the guy is?
1: <laughs> like, well, it what? sounds like How it's... long
0: have they been letting this werewolf just run amok in this town? Well,
1: I think it like it's just, just one. And if they are just letting
0: him run amok, who the fuck is he eating?
1: Right. I think it's just one. I think it's. Well, here's... No, I think it's one too, but you're like, which
0: fucking guy? Or is it like some super beautiful, like, it's Belle from that little French town, right?
1: No, you see the guy at the very beginning of the movie after he gets shot. It's an old dude.
0: I don't Do think they show the body of the guy?
1: Yeah, right after. So basically uh Jack and David Oh, that's
0: right cuz yeah. they try to say he's a madman.
1: Jack and David get chased on the moors by the werewolf. Uh Jack gets torn apart, David gets scratched and then the uh like the bar patrons show up and shoot the werewolf and David turns over and I've always misinterpreted It's as interesting cuz like the well, did lat- David
0: see? Because he was passing out at this point, right? Yeah,
1: David sees him because that's it. I might not remember this. It's bond? his. Okay. Well, here's why because I've always thought this too. And I've always, and this time when I watched it, I was like, oh my God, I always thought that shot was different. Like, I've always been under the impression that that shot was actually him next to Jack who was like torn apart. And I was always like, wow, that's really cool special effects. But now I realize I took that frame and put it in another part of the movie and i realized that actually it's this old guy literally dead with like huge bullet wounds in his sides
0: oh my god see yeah i thought i remembered seeing jack dead too me
1: too it's it's very strange and i don't i remember the shot that
0: that just leads to more questions
1: (laughs) right so that if means, it's an old
0: guy, why the fuck are they leaving an old person alive? Right. What's he bringing to the local town economy? Well,
1: my wonder is, like, do you think they've uh, thought of this as, like, a protective measure for, like, outsiders to stay out?
0: I mean, conceivably if it's so, happening this once is the month. worst werewolf guard dog of all time.
1: Well, yeah, obviously. But maybe if they're just going out you and, You let like, them get all the sheep, way to the slaughtered lamb. Well, they're, like, well, here's the thing. How many
0: a, sheep do you think this guy, how many full moons do we have one a month we well, got yeah, one like a month. two or three nights a month yeah okay so this thing eats six human beings later in the movie right right so how many fucking sheep do you think this guy's going through how expensive are sheep how much wool are they losing
1: where are they getting these guys well, I don't know sheep? I mean the beginning of the movie starts with these guys coming in a sheep truck so clearly these sheep are being hauled in elsewhere
0: oh uh, but they're driving away they're like we got to keep our sheep away from the sheep eaters <laughs>
1: right but
0: but no okay so if you have an old fucking decrepit ass essentially let's be fair these small towns like this they work more like our ancient times it's like this guy can't fucking plow the fields or women to make more workers what is his value to society? <laughs>
1: you think that's just like this guy's got to be a wolf without question.
0: Yeah, this guy's a no plow. That means he's a no eat. That's like, this actually guy's done.
1: That's actually a really interesting like hierarchy in society. Like if you are so weak that you can't like get anything done, let alone like <laughs> attract a woman or make to, like, more workers to kid. replace your old ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are you are like sacrificed to be a wolf. Like that's fucking cool, actually. Oh, no, that's
0: see no see you took it and made it cool. I'm saying it's nonsense.
1: <laughs> no, this the thing that that cool. guy
0: eventually is going to stumble across some like six year old perfect little pigtail church girl and massacre her.
1: Well, no, because the moors like no one that, that's something they mentioned. is like no one's out on the moors. That's why it's that's why David and Jack getting lost on the moors is. actual but the wolf has the wherewithal to stay on the moors I don't think he has the wherewithal to stay on the moors but I think the people have the wherewithal to stay in the tavern
0: like those people sit there and drink all night and do not come out till the morning every one of them there were old people in there
1: I mean I don't know have you ever been to a bar and I've never been I've never been yes I've never been okay let me tell you
0: something I've been to a bar maybe three to five times last year total right and by eleven o'clock, I want to die.
1: Right, but that's an American bar. Like we're talking about a tavern in a small town in like yes. rural. These
0: people England. are double as old. They lead a terrible life of maintaining sheep,
1: exactly that are
0: only existing to be slaughtered and make terrible green clothing, as we see from the patrons.
1: I mean, I'll I'll take you back to Shaun of the Dead. A lot of old people in that <laughs> bar, and they're fucking trucking along, man.
0: Okay. So I don't buy the old man being left to just they are they are sponsoring a werewolf to well, terrorize their town yeah. for no well, good reason.
1: I think you're very Secondly, much underestimating the power of pickled Londoners. And I think that perhaps.
0: that's wrong. Well, there is an American hatred factor that sways the math a bit. Right. Here's the the other part that I was so funny. When the guy asks a simple question and the dart hardo misses his shot, right. Oh, I've never missed that board. Get out of here. Right? And he, well, that's a Kennedy accent. I'm really not doing well on the accent. There. I really
1: like that one, though. That was like, yeah, it, it wasn't, it was Kennedy <laughs> if he was from like Liverpool.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was good. It's kind of a, if Ringo was actually a Kennedy, that would be a <laughs> mind blowing documentary.
1: Yes, yeah, so that's exactly what it was. But no, so
0: the Dart Hardo is so mad that he essentially yells at them to go out. Right. And then immediately is like, oh, we sentenced these guys to death. It's like, well, you sentence anyone that werewolf's ever killed to death by condoning that werewolf
1: being alive. Right, but that's why you tell that's why they're all staying in the bar.
0: So wait, but this is what I mean. They send the Americans out just because they're finding the very blatantly obvious secret that they're trying to hide. And then they go out and they actually shoot the werewolf as you're telling me.
1: So why not just shoot the werewolf, period? I mean, I think that you... What, I think the that you, ethics I of think this you town. Stubble, I think what you've stumbled entire, across p- is... No, I
0: want an entire prequel just about the dynamics of this town. All right,
1: cool. I will call Max Landis because I know he's working on this right now, the yeah. remake. So I'll say, scrap that remake, sir. We want you to do the prequel. Max explained. Landis, put down the hair dye kid. I've got your story. <laughs> I... Look, I think what you stumbled upon is something that uh, is basically just, oh, it's set up. That's it. Like, it's set up without any sort of context, which I think is generally, you know, something that something that happens a lot of the time. I've Here's seen it thing. in a lot of movies we've watched.
0: Here's the thing. I'm not taking this as a shot.
1: No, no, of course not. It's I
0: actually think there's so many <laughs> weird elements to this, right? The making it blatantly obvious but trying to hide it. It's an older, probably less useful member of society that they leave to potentially eat all of their children's and loved ones. Right. The sending the Americans out, knowing what's going to happen to only then go shoot the old werewolf that they've condoned for years and then take the American to a hospital, make up a lie that then the police and the doctor can track back to them. Where they then have an emotional breakdown and admit the entire ruse. Right, because they're afraid of the curse spreading, right. which it already could have spread in their town. This is a very long,
1: yeah. This is a lot
0: interconnected of... web of lies. I feel like all of this is there for a purpose.
1: I mean, it very well could be. I, I don't and know what it is. And not just to move the
0: narrative. I feel like there's no a movie. There's
1: a movie. There.
0: I, I, there's a movie that could exist within this movie of the dark heart of this
1: town. Sure. I mean, who I think, is that old man? Well, what I mean, dirt I think about like. This is interesting because we're stumbling across something that I actually think is fascinating and something that Edgar Wright does a lot in the movies he's made. Like I think about Hot Fuzz, World's End, even Shaun of the Dead, like I guess especially the the, two, the latter two, which is Hot Fuzz and the World's End, which is like the nefarious nature of these small towns, like these small rural towns in England all have these sort of like worst kept secrets. But it's only worst kept secrets to like the people in the town. Otherwise, outsiders wouldn't be none the wiser. So I actually think that's a trope of what I would call, like, you know, almost British filmmaking, like British storytelling. Like, it's the dark heart at the center of, like, you know, this, like, you know, beautiful. Like, let's say, you know, like, it's like the rotten core at the at the center of an apple.
0: Right. But I'm saying I felt like the easy play would just to be for them to say the Americans come in and they're like. We got nothing for you here. And they're like, but it's raining and I hear dogs. They're like, get out of here. They chase them out. We never hear from the villagers again, right? Right. They're locking up the doors and shutters because they're so scared. Because they added all this other bits of intrigue, it makes me suspect, right? Like the guy even stops long enough to tell them a Mexican joke before sending them out to their death. (laughs)
1: It's unfortunate unfortunate local color, you know?
0: There's something very fishy going on in this town.
1: I don't disagree I, I with don't
0: you. fully understand it. I can't connect all I don't the disagree dots, but with I feel you. like there's some kind of, like, it'll be the greatest YouTube, like, film exploration video of all time where someone figures out this great, elaborate ruse of the if city. If I'm being completely place.
1: honest... This needs to be our mission. So that's something that we need to promise to the alchemists right now. Guys, we are going to get to the bottom of this. I promise you. As far as this small pocket of the American werewolf in London universe goes, we are going to find out what the deal is with this town. We're going to come up with a succinct theory. It's going to go up on our YouTube page this year. I promise.
0: (laughs) They yeah, they let the guy who was injured by the werewolf go to London on purpose. They took him there. Right. Is this a 28 days later scenario where they're like, we will sick the curse upon the big city that looks down on us?
1: Very well could be. It's not.
0: Perhaps that's it.
1: Did not you notice
0: all. that the old racist Irishman, who's kind of like the defuncto alpha of the bar, is playing chess? A visual did. cue that he's always moving pawns around
1: very well could be wolf pawns. I don't think I think you're onto something man we're going to we're <laughs> going to explore this more cuz this is going to be on the you he U-
0: definitely fucking hated that city down. this is
1: definitely going on the youtube page you you and I both know that <laughs> this is like definitely our mission like it can't be other youtubers this has to be us deciding this for sure <laughs> uh i <laughs> like it's fascinating to me that I agree because I've always wondered that too. Like, why in God's name do they like kick these guys out of the bar? And then it's like they're all like, all right, fine, let's go get them. And I'm like, did you guys really like did you kick these kids out of the bar and knew they were going to because they could have just taken the roads. They were told to stick to the roads. Why would they get on the moors? Very stupid decision. That is like my- well also
0: if you send him out to their death, why rescue him and then send him to the hospital knowing he's cursed here's a question do you believe that this is how long do you think they've had a werewolf problem? I mean, as least as I mean it's it, obviously pentagrammed on the wall. I was going to say, at least like as like long 8, as that fucking pentagram's
1: away. been up there. You know, how uh, yeah. how burned down were the candles? That's got to be at least the How old round. is
0: that slaughtered wolf sign? Like, or the slaughtered lamb sign? Like, Jesus Christ, you're branded. You're branded. Exactly. You're branded.
1: We all know yeah. something's going on.
0: This is what I mean. I think this is an intentional terrorist attack against urbanites
1: oh that's interesting well and i think later hey. that's
0: why we find out why the doctor's such a fucking stuffed shirt dipshit <laughs> why they do the police officer who essentially would like you know every scene is a, doing the mental equivalent of zipping his dick in his pants you know what i mean <laughs> like z- <laughs> ah pork and beans <laughs> like he's that kind of a cop right right also we see the nurse that just Kind of immediately is sexually involved. That is with something that I wanted a to very talk to you about. average
1: looking American. I had to bring this up because this is something that I'm fascinated by. And I've never understood why uh, her name, the nurse's name, Alex, why Alex becomes so infatuated with David so quickly to the point where she brings the guy to her house to, like, just live. Like, li- like you yeah. know, just chill here. No, like,
0: it's a it's a stretch fest when they first get back. It's it bizarre. Is, like, wow. it's like,
1: oh, she just wants like American dick, and that's like what's going on. Because immediately when they get home, <laughs> she like shows them around the house, and then they fuck. And see, that's, I think
0: that's us as American audiences. Big like, see the American dick it travels.
1: Okay, but see, like that. The, that's I don't what, think like,
0: any other country in the world is clamoring for American. But that's dick, what I'm like, saying. Like, like, would is like John
1: Landis saying? Like, was John Landis trying to tell us? Like, you know when you're abroad, everyone's looking for strange. Like, is that what he's trying to get at with like people? Or who
0: are just... is he trying to show her as a morally, uh, reprehensible modern city lady who deserves to be mauled by the werewolf. Bomb?
1: Oh, that's an interesting thought. This also could be a lot about urban expansion. This movie, <laughs>
0: John Landis is anti fucking. No,
1: <laughs> Actually, what's interesting, John Landis, uh, was working. He apparently wrote this like a decade before he made it. He, uh, the inspiration for it came from he was working on Hogan's Heroes in Yugoslavia, I think, the former no Yugoslavia, <laughs> and um, he saw a um, he saw a gypsy a gypsy funeral, and they buried the gypsy they buried the gypsy feet first, feet down like a really deep hole, feet down, and uh, covered him in garlic. To prevent him from rising from the dead. And for some reason, this made him go, huh, I'm going to make a movie about a guy who turns into a fucking werewolf and terrorizes London. Like,
0: yeah, he went werewolf instead of vampire. Good choice. It's a good
1: choice. It's a fascinating thing to the gypsy like Gypsy And but,
0: then the garlic that's mixing your metaphors.
1: But that's what I'm saying. Though, like, what do you think? What about that moment inspired John Landis to make this the movie? Like, this is the movie he wrote. So what about that moment inspired him to do that? Is it the fear of the unknown? Or what what would it
0: be? looking around the world at end-of-life processes and uh, rituals in different cultures has always fascinated me, too. Right. I think all of us that are into horror and the dark side of stuff, right, there is kind of this theory that horror movie fans are just like these vile creeps and like, we all just need to watch this stuff or else we'd be serial (laughs) killers, whatever. And to me, it's not that at all. To me, it's the most fascinating form of storytelling because— I'm always intrigued by how wrong it can go, right? Sure. Uh, You know, fear is the most primal thing, and what does that drive us to? Um, What I think the gypsy funeral probably inspired in him is just this, that's a human body with the lights turned out. Like, what are they still afraid of? And it's that immediate concept that even in this husk of a man, there could be some kind of interior monster or evil that could still come back and terrorize them right right they even as they put this guy in the ground to be brought back in the circle of life essentially they're still worried he's going to come back for more revenge and evil and blah because we is a species think of everything in this will make me die faster and this won't right (laughs) right every day you're making deals with the devil like big mac all right i'll die when i'm 89.25 instead of 89.27. I don't care. Fine. You know, cigarette people, driving fast people. Like You're always making deals on, does this bring me enough joy versus will kill me faster? (laughs) Right? Right. It's our whole thing. We're just obsessed with death. We're obsessed with it. And I think the werewolf is cool because it, not only is it a death metaphor, right? Because it feels like the human dies when the werewolf emerges. Right. But I think... The American part in The American Werewolf in London is kind of fun in this because I think there's a part that maybe inside of a lot of people, right, who would be watching this movie, inside of you there's just a more lively, vivacious, desperate to live and run and prey on the, the feast of the world version of us that we repress and hide and push down. Right. Right? It's kind of like the author in The Howling who's like, it's unnatural for us to repress. I think I think there is a bit of all of us that it's very cliche to say we have darkness and our monster inside. But I think what it is more than anything is we all have a, a little voice saying, man, this shit could go at any moment. So, yeah, you should go get fucking, you know, put in a giant Ziploc bag and get your nuts electrocuted. Like, why
1: not? Why right. not? You
0: only get one chance to do that kind of stuff.
1: Right. I mean... I feel like it's all that, plus there is this the idea I I, I like that you said that thing about America the American part of American werewolf in London. Because there is this otherness to it which is fascinating because yes, it's a werewolf and like that is something we are not equipped to deal with. Like we're not sure of what that is. That's supernatural. Then you add in and you compound this factor of an American werewolf in London. So, yes, there's this xenophobic tendency where we're like somewhere else where we're the other in another place. We're ter- not only
0: that, you put him in the most stuffed shirt. Right. Kind of environment you can. Did you know right? where when we see the cop, the doctor, the detective, they're all so fucking buttoned up. Right. And stuffy and proper that. I mean, it, it plays well with this crazy American running around butt naked and you know what I mean? Like letting his monster out.
1: Right. I think that there's something actually I was reading um some trivia online and I re- and I didn't know this. They had not allowed a film crew to film in Piccadilly Circus in fifteen years. And Really? That was like a huge deal that they were allowed they were allowed three times to shut down the streets in Piccadilly to shoot this. And
0: just to show a porno theater.
1: Right. Just to show a fucking porno theater and to like knock over a double decker. But like apparently the way they did it, too, was John Landis showed um, the cops Blues Brothers and then told them what he was doing. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Whatever you want to do. But first time in 15 years. And But. You bring up a really good point, though. Like, of all the places for fucking mayhem like that to occur and, like, what we would consider, like, as Americans, like, stuffy up a London, Piccadilly Circus is supposed to be the fucking spot, man. Like, when you're over there, that's, like, right. the place you go for some cool shit. If you've ever seen the movie Laws of Attra- uh, Rules of Attraction, that's one of the big sticking points in um, – victor's story like this huge diatribe he does at the end of the movie it's this big story he tells and piccadilly circus is this thing where he gets lost for an entire day while tripping on acid but like that's a huge deal and that's like the least stuffy part of london probably and we're all sitting there watching this fucking mayhem happening and the whole time if you're an american and you kind of only have the frame of reference of television and so on and so forth you're still like wow all these cops that don't have guns are just like, because that's the crazy thing. Then that's the thing people don't understand. Like
0: they're just going to fucking beat the shit out of this werewolf (laughs) to death with sticks. You're like, yeah. All right. Good strategy. The
1: bobbies don't carry around guns. They fucking carry nightsticks and little pen.
0: Reginald, loosen
1: thy elbow
0: (laughs) to battle. (laughs) Yeah. See, they've never had to deal with fucking like, Florida bath salts criminals. They don't know. <laughs> right. They yeah. don't know what they're in for.
1: I mean, the worst they had to deal with, and this is great because they actually throw it in the movie too. The worst they had to deal with was the punks, and those guys went away as soon as the Sex Pistols did. So that was that. You know, that was very. Oh nice. yeah, they
0: have punks in the movie that let an American fucking front on him, and they don't even attack him.
1: Don't say a fucking no. Word. But
0: imagine this. Just imagine. Again, it goes back to the American thing. Look at who the werewolf eats on that killing spree. Yeah. The guy's like, oh, let's jog around back and give him a start. <laughs> the two fucking yuppie twins and then yuppie guy who comes out, and he's like, oh, very good, very good, 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 good joke. Let's go sit down and eat our cold food and stare at each other. <laughs> and then the guy in the tube is the worst. When he hears the howls and he's like, I cannot show you. This is not in the least of bits of music. And you're like. God damn, Hamlet, put down the skull and run. <laughs> like every single person that gets eaten, you are like, yeah, kind of fuck that guy. I think. Right? I you know, right? the thing that as I, an American, <laughs> as an American, I would love to know what actual <laughs> British people thought watching this. Like, right? Man,
1: we don't fucking act like that. <laughs> you know, what is one thing that always. I think the thing that always strikes me about this movie more than, like, honestly, other than like more than the the transformation is the use of Jack in the movie. Like, yes, Jack gets killed. And then the first time you see him again is uh, as this, like, corporeal rotting corpse in the hospital bed. And it's amazing makeup. And apparently, originally, he was supposed to... Oh, my to- God.
0: It gets better and better, too. I He love was it. supposed
1: to eat a piece of toast originally. He was supposed to drop out of his, like, throat. And they couldn't figure out how to get it to work, so they just cut it. Or, no, it was because it was too... John Land is like, I think it's too gimmicky. I'm like, that's too gimmicky. <laughs> like, that's an amazing, like... That's an amazing quotient to have of like what's too gimmicky about a movie about a guy turning into a werewolf. It's like, uh no, I can't have a guy with half a throat with a piece of like, toast falling out. But I won't stand for the waste of toast. <laughs> the thing that is amazing, though, about Jack throughout the movie is he gets worse and worse and he's just slowly decaying, is that he never really uses this like he never really loses this sunny optimism. Like, he is sad that he's dead, but there is this like sort of sense of like, well, you know, I'm pretty good at this as well. Like I'm having a really good time being dead still. I'm just like well, in this situation. Yeah. yeah.
0: He's making well, lemons he's the guy lemonade. who, yeah, he's always the sidekick in life, but now he kind of has a purpose. Right, right. I mean, the, the thing that I guess you have to ask yourself as an audience is do you believe that Jack and the other victims in the porn theater, that is like just top-notch horror movie storytelling
1: yeah absolutely
0: when he's in the theater with all the new victims right Right. we're the undead we walk around and they're all telling him how he should murder himself
1: right and as
0: an audience member you have to be like is this only in his brain right like are we latching on to there's also because obviously there's something supernatural because the wolf is played very straight up right we believe that there was actually a wolf and not just you know him Jack the rippering people are not remembering it um but do we believe that these are actual undead spirits attached to him as part of the curse or just his psychosis man and because that's the the sunny optimism of Jack and I don't know if it's optimism but the sunny disposition makes me think that this is something happening only in David's head. Because that's the other thing I found so fucking weird this time is I was like, David wakes up and they're like, you've been in a hospital for three weeks, severely injured. Right. Your friend's been mauled to death. And it feels like pretty much after that first shot, he's just like, all right, cool. I'm going to go uh, try to put my dick in this nurse. I'm just going to get on with
1: it. <laughs> right, right.
0: But he doesn't feel nearly broken up enough. About the events of what happened and the fact that he inadvertently threw his decision making. And the worst friendship move of all time, when Jack gets attacked and he just fucking runs. Yeah.
1: Very nice. And not then when cool. he knows
0: the coast is clear, he runs back like, Oh shit, I could have catch a wolf. It was really fast. It's like, bitch, you already ate me for like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so he has all this guilt on his conscience right. and immediately seemingly slips into just uh Hey, I'm 1981's Jason Big. Where can I put
1: my dick? <laughs> wow, I've never heard, never thought I'd hear it described that way, but that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> wow. I'm just
0: dealing out poster quotes, baby. You really are. That's what we're, we're doing, doing here tonight. We're, we're doing a hell of a job with that.
1: Uh, I want to get back to this fucking nosy ass doctor who. Uh, no,
0: but what do you make? What do you make of the the happy disposition? Of this man who essentially killed his friend, definitely left his friend to death. Right. Uh, dealing with all this trauma, but pretty okay, pretty fast. And then do you take these to be actual spirits or his psychosis?
1: Oh, I've always thought they're An A and a B spirits. hit me. You think they're actually spirits? Always. I've never thought... I think it's way cooler. I, I've never it's considered them to be psychosis. Okay. Mainly because I don't think that... Uh, because I, because you know why? Because of the dreams. That's why, the dreams that David has in the movie are his psychosis. I, I gotta
0: say, I I could leave, I
1: could lose the dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't disagree with you. Like particularly the second one. Because I feel the, like Jack
0: but, is such a better version of that.
1: Yeah, I agree. The Nazi wolves thing. I remember watching that the first time. Like what the fuck is going on in this movie even like yeah. the running through the i like woods that he is...
0: drew the line at toast but he's like nazi zombie werewolves that's cool yeah whatever it's fine like that <laughs> Not a gimmick
1: running through the woods and like there's a, like there's a lot of stuff that is like and that stuff to me is like highly interpretive and also pretty unnecessary for this movie like for being what it is yeah. which is like the prototype for like a meandering movie that like gets to the point shockingly fast um it's bizarre to me that that's, like, something that we wanted to leave in. It was like, yeah, but we need these, like, deeply interpretive moments where he's, like, dreaming about running through the woods and then being a demon monster. And then, you know, getting his throat slit by a zombie, by a werewolf Nazi zombie or whatever. Like
0: You may you may have swayed me.
1: It's a weird... I, I wh-
0: think I had repressed the dreams myself. But to me, it was because he was so happy on the outside... He was having to see Jack, and that's like his, the dark stuff he's repressing. But the dreams is a good point. So the happiness is what made me think they weren't
1: real. Oh, uh, yeah, no. I've always thought. But I that- feel like
0: you're right on with the dreams. I feel like. Plus, also, this doesn't seem like the kind of movie that's hiding much. Right. Except for the dark, dark puppet shadow government <laughs> of that small town.
1: Yes. I think that. Yeah, I, I've never I've always assumed the supernatural takes hold by the time we start right. seeing the first transformation. I think that you know, and again, You've like we've already
0: seen werewolves, what's the difference with a ghost?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like what are we like <laughs> I mean, we see ghosts before we see werewolves. So really at the end of the uh, day, it doesn't really matter. Like I think though that they've that they're real and they are walking the earth. Uh but I mean but it still is a great interpretive conversation because yes, like it very well could be just David dealing with his guilt. There's a lot of that. And I, think I feel that, like that's
0: one of those, like maybe because we were film students, we're always trained to be like, how can we say the douchiest thing to make us feel like we earned <laughs> our, earned our degrees. Right. <laughs> I feel like I almost feel ashamed of myself for saying that out loud. No,
1: but I think it's a valid, it's a valid conversation point because yeah, like you need to have that kind of conversation because this is a movie with these kinds of like hyper interpretive dream moments. Like see,
0: and that's the other thing I like, too, about the, the them actually being ghost is it's it's another transformation. Right? right. So you're taking a character and again, putting him in a spot where now because of tragedy, they are altered and cursed. And the date, the David ghost friend in this movie is to me the greatest stuff of the movie. Like the transformation scene is great, but David is what makes it go next level for me.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I like there's a line that he says the first time Jack appears to him. There's a line that Jack has that always has stuck with me. And I've repeated it in daily life just because, like, it's a weird thing to say off the top of your head. But (laughs) the first time he shows up, he asks for a piece of toast. And like David's just staring at Jack and he walks over, grabs a little bit of toast. And the line is, David, you're not making me feel very good. Like that kind of thing. Like, it's so off the cuff and bizarre, but at the same time, you're like, well, you know, I wouldn't be feeling so hot if someone was, like, just glaring at me. I'm clearly dead. Yeah. Like, it's so bizarre and it's so well addressed because, like, it's just plain – it's plainly out there. There's nothing about it that's, like, hidden. I love that about this movie is there's nothing about this movie that – it can be interpretive and you can look at certain things like the creepy shadow government or the interpreted, or the interpreted dreams – but almost everything in this movie is on Front Street, and that's a really important thing about that makes this movie yes.
0: excellent. Yes, I agree with all that. You swayed me. Uh, but you remember the actual scariest movie in the film?
1: The scariest movie it was a def, it was definitely that porno they were watching.
0: No, that when they do British Georgie and Pennywise. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> when he's naked in the bush and he's like, "Hey kid, get over here with the balloons." Yep. Okay, yeah, and you're just like. When the kid turns to walk, I'm like, terrible parent. Terrible parent has <laughs> never told them to not go towards the." Hey, get over here, kid. I want your balloons.
1: You know what's even worse? Ho- <laughs> you know what's even worse is that kid is dressed in a very nice, like, upper crust, like, uh, yes. secondary school uniform. Where are the fucking parents who just don't give a shit and they're staring at us? A- no,
0: remember? He tells the mom, he's like, in America, a naked American just stole my balloons. And she goes, a What? Like, she's, it's a very mundane, like, why are you wasting my time with this conversation? Why are you wasting my breath with this? Lord. Well, she's just like, well, he's standing here and not kidnapped. So it's okay that he just saw a fucking American dick in his face as he got robbed of his balloons. (laughs) The mom, I, I really was, I was like, that's one of those moments now. I never thought about that moment, probably more than for a split second when I was watching it. Except for being like, balloons seem like the worst. Thing to try to steal to hide your nudity right like you'd be better off just breaking branches off of that bush and running with those so that the him calling to the kid strikes his extra creep right away <laughs> but once you have a kid you're like good god
1: you know the one like, that i you start thinking
0: percentage wise you're like i have two kids like right are they both smart enough
1: to not go to that bush
0: like, am I like a 50-50, like, right. Bush kid? Like, where's the ratio? I got to get that up to 100. No Bush kid.
1: You know, there's another thing that happened. like, besides that, because that's a really interesting – because friends that I know that um either spent a lot of time in London or are actually from England in general, like, they stay buttoned up. They don't address things like the way we would address them in America. <laughs> it's a very different cultural – it's a very different cultural phenomenon. And I think that nothing is more clear than when he – Approaches that cop in the middle of the square, begging to be arrested.
0: Well, the fact that David himself is not like, oh, I should just fucking sucker punch this cop. Right. That lets me know David didn't want to get arrested. Really? David was showboating. Oh,
1: you think so? No, I don't want to go to jail.
0: No. Okay. First off, he's already lured a child to his naked body out in public. So he already has devious things. He's already been a Judas to his best friend as he's getting mauled by a dog or a wolf, whatever he thinks it is. This guy is a huge piece of shit, right? As soon as he wakes up from his coma, he has like a brief fit of upset, like, oh, the vipers, and they fucking put him down with a syringe. He's immediately back to pussy chasing. This guy is a bad dude. 1981 Jason Biggs is a bad guy, right? (laughs) If this guy wanted to get arrested. <laughs> all you got to do is kick that cop in the dick, throw a little chokehold. I mean, there's women and children everywhere. Just start pushing people on the ground. Right. Whip your dick out and chase the crowd around with it. Like you can go to jail easily.
1: This is also a great movie. Of this is also this scene is a great indicator of what era it's from because he says like things that no one would say now in movies. Like, if you did.
0: Oh, and he, he says the, yeah, the faggot. Line.
1: Yeah, he's like, the queen's a faggot or something like that. I'm like, wow. Like, that's the crazy yeah. thing is, like, 30 or 40 years <laughs> removed from this movie. I'm still, like, I'm, like, actually jarred by that. I'm like, whoa, I can't believe you said that. And I'm like, what am I talking well, yeah, about? yeah, like,
0: nowadays you could say that you still want to get arrested. You just get kicked off of Twitter.
1: Well, that's true. Yeah.
0: I mean. No, but this, that's what I mean. This guy's a bad guy. A bad, bad guy who ends up in a fucking porno theater with his fucking imaginary dead best friend just fucking jerking off real quick before he gets overheated and wolfs out. This guy, David, true fucking psychopath criminal. And he never thinks to hit the cop or pull his dick out or push a kid on the ground really hard. He does not want to go to jail. He thinks all Londoners deserve to die. Interesting That's my theory.
1: Wow. So you I think, think you this went into like- that
0: porno theater and he's okay. like, These men all deserve to die sitting in here jerking off in fucking a uh, crime dog McGruff jackets. Oh, nice. This
1: is like a reinterpretation of like American colonialism, like reverse American colonial- colonialism, <laughs> I like it. Did you know actually David Naughton, who's the guy who plays David in the movie, he was he was most famous for being the Dr. Pepper commercial guy in the eight in the seventies, he actually got fired by Doctor Pepper. For being naked in this movie.
0: Really? Yes.
1: He was uh. still their rep and they saw a cut of the movie and they fired him because he was naked in the movie. Which well, he fun. made the
0: right choice.
1: I think he did too, because now So he rarely
0: is- do you get a play such a fucking I mean, this guy is Walter White in nineteen eighty one. This guy is Tony Soprano. He's a terrible, huge piece of shit it's of the, a human. It's
1: the imprint. I love it. That's what I
0: didn't realize is that David actually might be a when he might be the beast when he's a human, Ooh. and then he just transforms into a more angelic form. <laughs> <laughs> it was the kid. It was the naked bush luring the kid because his voice. He changed his voice. I'm like, oh, that's a fucking pro sex offender move. That's a pro sex offender <laughs> move. So he can get balloons to cover his dingus. Yeah, right. That plan would never work.
1: Have you- and then
0: he doesn't fucking whip his dick out in the crowd. And like all he's got to do is fucking you knee the cop in the nut so he's bent over, pull your dick out, slap the cop in the face with it as he's kneeled to over in pain, and then scare all those fucking nice families away with your dick. You're definitely going to jail. He didn't want to go to jail.
1: Well, Max Landis, you heard it here 1st Uh Griffey's be more <laughs> than happy to be in your remake of uh, American Werewolf in London.
0: Oh, there's no way Max Landis missed uh guy who wants to pull his dick out in public beat
1: <laughs> uh my my question to you is have you also seen the uh sequel to this movie american world from paris
0: yes i have okay uh the sequel suffers from so much 90s yeah. that i i just can't not love it
1: yeah it's it's uh it's not it very starts good you
0: off with uh well yeah they double down on the piece of shit americans like yeah, we're just bros that want to like bungee really jump on the Eiffel Tower, shit. and you're like, like, big pieces. All right, of this shit. movie, yeah, this movie can end in act one with their heads splattering on the ground. Like, I don't need to follow <laughs> these characters right. at all. But it's, uh, isn't it the guy from that thing you do, right? Yeah, the it's drummer?
1: Tom, it's Tom Everett Scott, yeah. Yes. Um, who I love, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
0: it just turns into, yeah, it's weird. I, I shock, I really like that movie. Yeah. Not just like, uh, okay, I can tolerate like, the the sness of it all, that that's my weak spot, right? There are just nineties movies that just by existing so much in that time, right? I just I like I really like I, more I than I should. I think and it, that's one of them, right?
1: It's also one of those movies, like it's uh, one of those nineties movies with Julie Delpy in it. Who, which this is, I think after she did uh, before before whatever one of the before <laughs> movies, is. the first one. So it's like, she's right. just the vagabond French girl that you got to hire. I, I, yeah. and I love Julie Delpy. I think she's a great actress, but like she, in this movie is such a weird outlier. Cause you know, she's, I mean, I think she's a wonderful actress, but it's fascinating to me that she took the role because you're like, well, I guess if you just need a French girl who can turn into a werewolf. Yeah.
0: Well, it, It's so funny because it kind of, to me, I lump it in with, there were a bunch of these horror movie sequels in the 90s that just weren't stellar. Like, even Blair Witch 2, right? I kind of put it in that category where you're like... You'd put it in Book of Shadows
1: category? Wow. I like Book
0: of Shadows. See, that's the thing. I actually like Book of Shadows. I think it's a a good horror movie. Right. (laughs) A lot of people... That's like one of those, I remember when it came out and everyone just fucking buried it. Because I think they were still super pissed off about the Blair Witch thing. Right. Like, once everyone was on to, like, oh, it's just, like, a really shitty movie.
1: Yeah.
0: It was, like, a weird marketing hype. And I'm like, I, I don't think that way of Blair Witch. Like, I like that movie for what it is. I thought it was exceptionally clever. And it's insanely impactful. It kind of had the paranormal thing, right? Like, it really impacts you without a lot happening. Right. So I like that movie, but I I liked Book of Shadows, and I I kind of think of American Werewolf in Paris, and that not great, very nineties. I there's some weird way that I latch onto the characters right away, and the the horror moments deliver enough to where I've seen both of those movies probably more than three times, which is really sad to say out loud. As soon as I said it, I immediately regretted saying it out loud. You
1: know, everyone's Speaking got their it thing into the ethers. Hey. I've seen a yeah, lot, seen no, a lot I, I, of Freddie I, Prince Jr. movies over the years. Don't worry about it. We, it all, is... we all have our things. <laughs> I
0: We all we all have a nineties Baba Duck we, floating we over really us. really do. I
1: love but more importantly, I love American Werewolf in London. It's a movie that I think I never get tired of watching. Whenever I see it available, I have to watch it. And it's a movie that I think informs so much of what we expect from good horror movies. Now that because I see the imprint in every single movie that I like from this era, because they're not just giving you one genre. And I think that's the thing that through the 80s and 90s, we realize is like great movies that are going to really stand the test of time aren't just going to function out of one one particular genre. They have to be able to pick and choose from others, but have that core base. And I think that's what's interesting here is John Landis comes from a comedy sensibility and he makes a horror movie that has a lot of oddly comedic elements in it. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately you're just, it's a recipe for an amazing movie and it's a recipe for something that's going to last and have a legacy throughout the rest of time.
0: Yeah. uh, Well, I used to have a film professor and that was always his thing. He hated that comedy and drama were, genres right he felt he felt like the way we divided genres was silly because every story should have some comedy and some drama and some horror and whatever right sure but um i think what i found fascinating this time besides like there's just so many like i i am obsessed with movies that make weird choices at weird times that let me then extrapolate conspiracy theory style right this movie's got two or three great ones right sure from uh, you know Jack's happiness into oh he's definitely a fucking criminal and wants to kill Londoners and then the the town will drive me insane for quite a while still, but I I was I was stunned by how slow I felt the movie was for at least the first half. I felt like it. I I just kept watching. And I'm like this is considered one of the greatest horror movies of all time, <clears throat> and I was like there's not. Really, anything happening, let alone horror, right? And I, I hate that lob against horror movies that they're not horror enough as right. a critique, right? But I was just watching, and I was like, imagine being the guy who went to the theater because you're there to see American Werewolf in London, and you're just not getting that movie for what feels like a long time to me, right? And I and, I, and I'm looking back at it <coughs> after you finish, you're like, all right, well. <coughs> They had the dreams, they had the first wolf attack, the bar leaves you unsettled. Uh you see the ghost of Jack, so there's stuff. There's stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: But um by the end it obviously starts having some kind of very big actiony payoffs. Like all those like the one cop who gets smashed between the car and the bus. Oh my and,
1: god. And that lady who gets so fucking run like, over. It's insane. Yeah, I mean it's
0: just like pure madness yeah. and the the wolf stuff. Never pans out for me, but it's still, I like the, the storytelling element of his transformation. Yes. So it, it it's weird to me that it it struck me as there are so many things on paper that should cause me to not like this movie. Right. Right? Called American Werewolf in London. But yet I I love it and I've always loved it. That somehow besides these things that on paper feel wrong or underdone or missteps, don't affect my enjoyment of the project at all right and it's I don't know I just I've always found it just one of those movies that you just so easily slip into the trance of the story right you just you fall right in with them and it's just fucking fun it's just a really fun uh Macabre adventure and it, it there aren't a ton of movies that that walk the line so Uh, brilliantly to me.
1: Right. No, I agree. It's a movie that is, it's a movie that just knows what it's trying to do the whole time. And that's the most important thing is it never changes its tone and it never needs to because it is in full control of what it's trying to do.
0: Yeah. And and the the horse scenes they have might not feel like the ones you're thinking or the ones you necessarily want or early enough or fast enough, but they're there. And they they never feel the need to cave in and just be like, oh, we got to do more like Wolfman kills. We got to go get revenge on the people in the pub or whatever. Right, right. Like all the kind of normal cliches and tropes you would imagine. They just, they never really fall into that. It makes this movie kind of its own memorable uh, experience, man. I don't know. I think it's, I don't know if I'm willing to say it's the greatest werewolf movie of all time. But it's in the class.
1: Oh, yeah. It's definitely up there. It's definitely at least for me it's at least the top 3.
0: I mean, I fucking love the Wolfman. Like I re but I I mean, I haven't seen the Wolfman in probably 10 years. Um I've always been a sucker for the Universal Monsters. So I could be biased, but I mean just I really don't know which werewolf movie would jump American Werewolf for me. That's that's the question I have when I always hate saying this is definitively the best movie of its kind, whatever, right. except for Highlander, which is the greatest movie of all movies ever. <laughs> um, Yeah, I don't I don't know. So to me, it's like I was shocked rewatching Ginger Snaps, how impressive I found that movie for what it is. Uh, the Howling is great. I think it has a lot more hiccups than, uh, you know, and it feels date. It feels much more dated than American Werewolf, even though they're the same year.
1: Yeah. Definitely.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I think American Werewolf, probably, if you were going to hand someone one werewolf movie, this is probably the definitive werewolf experience to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, would I think the
0: only hang-up I have is that the werewolf itself is not good. So, I mean, just the, the ones we watched, right, with Howling, Dog Soldiers, and Ginger Snaps, I feel like the werewolf is used to better effect. Yeah. This kind of is on the level of Ginger Snaps, right? Like, kind of sparingly, whatever. There's a lot of good werewolf monsters, but I think this movie does so many of the other things so exceptionally well that that's what shoots
1: it to the top. I agree.
0: 100%. All right, guys. That is The Pod Unleashes Its Inner Beast Month. We are still hoping against hope because of Alex's incessant whining and yapping uh to do Wolf, Jack Nicholson's swing at a werewolf movie for you next week, along with our review of uh the soon to debut us, Jordan Peel's new movie coming to theaters Friday. So next week we should have uh, us and
1: maybe Wolf. Wolf. Which will prove we'll, again we'll, the truly we definitive. can easily
0: get to Wolf. We got a schedule we can get to Wolf. The truly That definitive. assumes I release this Friday if you're hearing this uh later in the week. You'll already know if we made it or not.
1: (laughs) Um. As always,
0: guys, uh, if you like this movie, man, and you think you have a friend who'd like it, sit down and watch the movie with them and then share the pod with them. This, to us, is our favorite way to spread the podcast to other new friends that we're hoping to make. I think it's a really good way to expand our group of friends so we can have more interesting film discussions, more communication with you guys, which we want through our socials, uh, you can also reach us at TheFilmAlchemistPod at gmail dot com. Uh, send us your suggestions for themes, movies. We uh, we have a film list on the Letterboxd app, <coughs> the Film Malcolm podcast list, so you can see all the movies we've done or are planning to do. Um, but yeah, guys, that's our hope is just to to grow this thing, find more cooler, weirder, better, crazier movies to talk about with you. Yay! Alright, guys, still some more. Uh, we got Us Wolf, and then next month, uh, Daddy Knows Best. These are movies that have important fatherly lessons for Alex as he is uh you're right around the corner from uh introducing Kurgan Dandino to the world, right?
1: Yes, we are. Kurgan Dandino.
0: <laughs> Little Kurgan Dandino. I actually wrote it in his gift for me, so you ha it's a legally binding contract. <laughs>
1: yeah of course it is i'll tell andrea
0: yeah tell your wife she'll be cool with it she knows the law of course she knows the law she respects laws she does while you sit here like those shady fucking slaughtered lamb pub people (laughs) (laughs) me and andrea respect the law just like little kurgan will be taught all right guys from the film alchemist podcast i'm josh Griffin.
1: i'm alex dandino
0: don't ever talk to kids when you're nude ever great
1: advice